0: So for several years, our church has partnered with Foster the City, which is a coalition of churches working towards the vision of creating a waiting list of loving homes and reducing the waiting list of kids in need of homes. And so the organization Foster the City started in the Bay Area, actually is Foster the Bay, and since 2015, they have partnered with 280 foster families and connected with over 200 partner churches which is really amazing and um, they've impacted almost 500 children so today we get to hear from Yvonne, who's the director of advocates at foster the city Ilan, you want to come up <laughs> yeah <Yay! clears throat> yvonne is a proud big sister auntie daughter and wife When she's not working, she loves spending time with her husband, Irvin, trying out new recipes and running a leave together. She also serves on the board of Turntable, which works with youth that have been impacted by the juvenile justice system, sexual exploitation, and homelessness. Yvonne believes with everything in her being that God is a God of redemption and restoration. As an Enneagram coach and the Director of Advocates at Foster the City, she gets to witness a pathway for healing and hope. And at Foster the City, Yvonne is able to witness a coalition of churches committed to providing a loving home for every child entering foster care and making sure that those foster parents have the committed support of their church community. She considers it an honor to be able to serve and speak on behalf of the most vulnerable. And we're super grateful to have Yvonne here this morning, and are really excited for uh, what the spirit has put on her heart to share with us. So I'm going to invite Kathy up to read our scripture.
1: Our scripture reading for today is from John 12, 1 through 8. It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus therefore came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. But you do not always have me. This is God's word. Thank you, God.
2: Good morning, Citizens Church. Um, I'm so grateful that I get to be here with you guys and to um, share on behalf of these precious teens and children in foster care. I I can't tell you um, just the journey God has had me on um, as I've been preparing. Um, let me tell you a little bit kind of just about myself. So my foster care journey actually began um, when I was very young. My parents were foster parents, and they fostered over 20 um, children and teens over the course of about 10 years. And so I was able to just see, I get a little glimpse of what God's kingdom really does look like through the process of foster care. Um, as I was preparing and thinking through and reflecting and sitting with God in the last couple of weeks, I asked, God, what do you want me to share? What what is needed to be a part of foster care ministry? And there was two words that kept coming to my mind. There was two words that just kept blinking and like on my radar. And it was this idea of radical hospitality. And I was like, okay, God, what do I do with this? <laughs> um, I, I want to be able to explain this. What, what, and all of a sudden, I feel like God just gave me a vision and an example just for my heart. But I wanted to share it with you guys this morning. Um, it was an example of radical hospitality with someone you all are pretty familiar with. Um, Mary, mother of Jesus. Um, if you're here, you've probably at least heard about her during December, at least once. Um, And she exemplifies radical hospitality. We know the story. This young teenage girl, about 14 years old, uh, she's a virgin. She is betrothed to Joseph. And she's just kind of living her life. And then it happens. We, We know that the angel Gabriel comes to her and says, Hey, I have an invitation for you. Um, this opportunity you are get, you're going to get to be, become pregnant with the son of God and his name will be Jesus. And I think if I were to hear that as a teenage girl, I'd be freaking out, (laughs) Um, for a lot of reasons, but there's a lot of pressure just in this story. Um, she, she has a lot going. This is kind of a zero sum game for her. In her community, if she were to be pregnant, they would have assumed that she was unfaithful to Joseph. He would have been able to, to divorce her. She would, have been, she would have brought shame on her family and herself. And honestly, like it would have disrupted everything Uh, she would be at a disadvantage for the rest of her life, according to her culture. In the eyes of the world, this is not a good decision. But you know what she says? She's like, I want to make sure I, I get her words. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let this thing you have said happen to me. She says, here I am. Here I am, Lord. Take all of me. Take my womb. Use it. Use it all. If that's not an act of radical hospitality, I don't know what it is. It is everything from the inside out. Um, that's what hospitality looks like, everyone. That's, it changes everything. That yes brought our Savior into this world. This is why we're all here. That's what hospitality does. It's radical, it's disruptive, and it brings God's kingdom here. And that might seem like a really intense example, and so we're gonna shift gears a little bit. We're gonna talk about another Mary. might feel a little less intimidating. You might be like, okay, but she was Mary, mother of God. Um, (laughs) We're gonna shift gears to the other Mary that we hear about in John chapter 12. But before we even do that, I just wanna pause and just pray. Lord, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for your Holy Spirit in our midst. God, I thank you for Citizens Church, and I thank you for everyone here. I do not believe that anyone here is a mistake. God, I pray that you open our hearts, that you stir our hearts. You begin doing a work in our hearts this morning. God, use me. God, use me to speak your truth in love. God, allow me to share your heart for the vulnerable. Today God I pray that we that we see the invitation for radical hospitality in our lives um, and that we can change our communities change our families God change us we just thank you so much amen so I get to kind of dive in with you this morning into the story of the other Mary, Mary that anoints Jesus' feet. I love this passage, and I could probably talk about it for a really long time, uh, but I won't. I was told I only have 30 minutes, so I'm going to kind of zoom in and really share um, about the radical hospitality that Mary shows. So we'll just take, so there's a lot going on. I'm not gonna cover it all. Um, if you're like, wait a minute, there's, there's some things you're missing. Absolutely, I'm missing a lot, but we're zooming in. Um, and so we're gonna kind of talk about that as we look. So I'm gonna give you some context. Um, in the previous chapter, we find out that there's a lot of hostility um, towards Jesus, the powers that be they're angry, and they're like, hey, anybody that knows where Jesus is, I want to make sure, if you know, tell me, because we're going to arrest him. So this is the this is the kind of hostility and anger that Jesus is kind of experiencing as we come into chapter 12. Um, just some kind of thing. So we know, as the readers, we know that this is the Passion Week. We know this is Resurrection, resurrection Week. Um, and we want to make sure, like, we have eyes for that, Jesus knows this is his last week, but the disciples are unaware. They don't know that they only have a limited amount of time with Jesus. But I find it really interesting that Jesus chooses to come to Lazarus' house and have a meal. This is his last week. It's very intentional. Comes to his house and decides to have a meal. And I think this really speaks to the longing of familiarity with family and friends, wanting to spend that time together. So this is kind of the setup as we go into scripture. We also see some familiar people. You might be familiar with Lazarus. He was raised from the dead. Um, And Mary and Martha, who we hear about in Luke 10 and also in the previous chapter. We know that these are women of hospitality. They are shaped by hospitality. And this is kind of where we enter into John. Now, if you can just imagine with me, just take a moment, Jesus has come into Lazarus' home. Martha has cooked a feast, like always, delicious food. There is aroma of all these different delicious foods in the air. Lazarus is kind of reclined, just sitting with Jesus and the disciples, and they're all just having a good time, having dinner together. And then it happens. So if you can turn with me, verse 3 is where we're picking up. And it says, Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three-quarters of a pound, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it and then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. So I can just see it now. If you're picturing this, you're tracking with me. We're in the middle of a dinner party. People are even mid-bite, and here comes Mary. She's walking in, has her bottle of perfume, opens it, and just begins to pour it on Jesus' feet, and it doesn't stop there. It's already a little weird, right? And then she's like, okay, now that I've anointed Jesus' feet, I'm going to take my hair, and I'm going to dry it. So she gets down, and she's drying his feet with her hair. Now you might be thinking, possibly like, well, you know what, I don't know that culture. Maybe everybody dried people's feet with their hair. That might be a thing. Uh, that wasn't a thing. I'm just letting you know right now. Um, this was pretty scandalous. This was, I believe, anti Wright, in his commentary, he had said it was kind of like if you were to be wearing a long skirt, say I was wearing a long skirt, and I just hiked it all the way up to my thighs while I was talking to y'all. That would be scandalous. That's what was happening in this picture, just to give you some context of what's going on. So this is happening. People are kind of like, what's going on? They're kind of looking at each other. I imagine there's a lot of internal dialogue. If I was Martha, I'd be like, isn't she so shameful? Like, What's going on? She's doing it again. I imagine the men there being really uncomfortable. This was not something that happened. Um, This type of intimacy that was happening did not happen between unrelated men and women during this time, especially in public. This was a big deal. There was a lot of thoughts going on. There was a lot of side-eye probably going on. You know the one where you look at someone and you're like, hmm, I don't know. That's what's happening in this passage. A lot of people probably wanted to say something, Um, and Judas does. He speaks up. Judas is like, okay, I have something to say. I know everybody's thinking it. I'll be the one that says it. And so we pick up, and we see this in verse 4. And it says, Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained. This perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. So this next part of the passage, it really challenges me. Because if I'm really honest, I would have sided with Judas, as I'm sure a lot of people in that room probably would have as well. It's reasonable. He was the money keeper. He held the resources. What he said was practical. It was thoughtful. Y'all, I'm an Enneagram one. If any of you know anything about the Enneagram, we love things straightforward, clear cut, black and white. And this couldn't be more black and white. Sell some expensive perfume, give it to the poor. Sell it, give it to the poor. That makes sense to me. I don't know how, how, to you guys what that sounds like, but to me that just makes sense. And so I want you to picture yourself in this story. Are you kind of like me and identify with Judas at this point, who counts the cost of welcoming Jesus? Or are you Mary? Are you unabashedly just welcoming Jesus with hospitality, with everything that she has? Dale Bruner, who is one of my favorite people in the entire world, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, he writes this. He says, Judas's social justice passion is uncovered for what it really is, greed. A greed for notice. I care about the poor. I don't know about the rest of you, spectator disciples. And a greed for dishonest gain. He can hit the bank with any proceeds. In this case... Judas's love of accolades and money kept him from experiencing radical hospitality alongside Mary. I would love for you to just kind of take a moment and kind of ask yourself, what might be keeping you from practicing hospitality today, from welcoming Jesus with everything that you have? I'm fortunate enough that I get to be on the board of something called Turntable. It's a nonprofit. Uh, we work with transitional age youth and that are impacted by homelessness, uh, foster care system, juvenile justice, and sexual exploitation. And I got to about two weeks ago um, jump in on something they call wilderness adventure therapy. They take um, the youth out into The wilderness we might go hiking camping Um, today this was kayaking and while I was there I was um, one of the boys one of the young men there I've known him for about five years and he was there and we got to go kayaking together and we're out on the lake just having good conversation we're just out there kind of paddling and he's talking about life and he says you know what Yvonne it's so calm and peaceful out here. He's like it makes me feel like life could be different than it is back home. Um, you don't know this young man. Uh, he has a, re- a really hard story, um, a story that I uh, I'm not privileged to tell. That is his story, but it is hard. He's had some things that should never happen happen in his life. So to know that he felt welcomed in this space, that he had a moment of rest, a feeling of, just for one second, this could be different. It means everything. I share this because there was also something else going on here. We were kayaking, and the kayak leader kept pulling out these beautiful plants just popping them out, root and all, and putting them on the front of his kayak. And it was strange. So we kind of were like, what's going on? Why do you keep pulling out those plants? And he said, well, this is an invasive species. And if we don't take this out, like root and all, it'll spread all over, it'll take over everything that's supposed to be here, and we wouldn't be able to kayak here. And... That just kept, during the weeks, last two weeks, just kind of playing back in my head over and over and over and over again. That this beautiful plant would take over this entire space and make it inhospitable. It would take over the space where this young man experienced hope and a welcoming, I realized this week why it stuck out so much to me. For me, this invasive plant looks a lot like comfort in my own life. Comfort is not a bad thing. I'm not here to trash comfort. But when it starts to crowd out the things that God is calling us to, you better believe we need to start pulling out some of these roots. Church, I want, I want you to consider in your life, what is your invasive species? What's keeping you from practicing hospitality, from welcoming Jesus with everything that you have? Is it, is it comfort? I know in San Francisco, it is really easy for that to be. It's your attitude towards money maybe you really like things to be perfect before anything happens maybe it's your things maybe it's a scarcity mindset i don't know what it is for any of you but you can fill in the blank what is it for you I ask this because I believe that Jesus is inviting his church into this kind of radical hospitality that changes our communities, our families, it changes us. But we can't accept this invitation sometimes without pulling out those roots first. In Matthew 25, 31 through 40, Jesus identifies with those that are needy and says, when you clothe the naked, when you feed the hungry, when you tend to the sick, when you welcome the stranger, are actually clothing and feeding and nurturing and welcoming him. So then how can we welcome God with all that we have? Well, in Luke it says, in 311, it says, if you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with the hungry. These two sentences, they call us to action, they call us to share what we already have in our hands, what's ready right in front of us. They invite us to do something with what we have been given so that we can help those in need around us. And these two sentences really just cut at the heart of what God has for this world. This is hospitality, church. This is what Mary understood so well For her, it came at a financial cost, it was a year's worth of wages. It also came at offending others, looking scandalous even. And as she humbled herself, anointing not Jesus's head, but Jesus's feet, it came at the cost of putting others first. Hospitality is risky, it's disruptive, it's radical but it allows us to bring God's kingdom here. And as a church, we have the opportunity to kind of step into this kind of hospitality. Behind me, you're going to see a slide of current San Francisco statistics. Right now in San Francisco, there are about 685 children in the foster care system. And about 175 of those children get sent out of the county, sometimes up to 100 miles away. Now, not only are they experiencing trauma from being removed from their family of origin, but now you're layering on the fact that they're being removed from their home, just here in San Francisco, from their other family members, from their friends, from their school, from everything that's grounding and that they know. I have the privilege of working here in the West Bay over San Mateo and San Francisco County, and I've heard stories recently. There are children right now that are being removed from their homes and there's not enough homes to place them in, that they're staying the night at a foster family office. So they're being taken out of their homes, might not even know why, and then they have nowhere to go. Church, this isn't right. This is not okay. You know it, you can feel it in your bones. When I... There's 320 churches here in San Francisco if every church would just have one foster family raised up with a support. We could meet those needs. They wouldn't have to leave outside of this county. If you identify as a child of God, then you know what it's like to be welcomed into God's family. You've experienced it. What is it going to take for you to turn and open your heart, your family, your home to these precious children and teens? Now, there's also some pretty staggering statistics behind me. These are the long-term impact of those that have been in foster care, and I'm just going to read a few to you so you can kind of get this picture. Fifty-six percent of youth in foster care fail to complete high school. And only 3% earn a college degree. One in four will be involved in the justice system within two years of aging out. That means when they're 18, within two years, they'll be caught up in the justice system. 33 of these youth who age out of foster care, 33% will experience homelessness. The rates for PTSD among former foster care youth two times the rate of U.S. war veterans who've experienced combat. 60% of child sex trafficking victims recovered were children from foster care. 71% of girls who age out of foster care will become pregnant by the age of 21. And that's just a few. This is just a few statistics. This list goes on and on. This is the reality that we live in here in San Francisco. This is just San Francisco, by the way. But church, we know with Jesus, things are different, that there's hope. Our faith should move us to action. James one twenty one reminds us that true faith is expressed in caring for the most vulnerable. This is what our faith should look like. This is what we should be known for as Christians, is radical hospitality. We at Foster the City believe that one of the most powerful ways we can address all of those things that were listed is to provide homes for these kids before they walk down these roads. And we believe the best way to see a transformed San Francisco, a transformed city, is by taking care of our vulnerable youth today. Now, statistically, only 40% of foster families actually continue past the first year. It's hard. It's very hard, but it's beautiful. And the reason for this 60% drop-off rate is because we weren't meant to do this alone. So I'm gonna get to show you, there is a model that I'm about to show you on this next slide. And we've seen 80% retention rate for our foster families past the first year, which is incredible. this model shows our dream. Our dream is to see every church raise up at least one foster family with four support friends around. Hear me when I say this. Foster families come in all shapes and sizes. You might have tuned me out. You're like, oh, can't foster. Guess what? If you're single and you've never parented, you can foster. If you're empty nesters, you've raised all your children and you're like, I'm done, you can foster. If you're a young family just starting out and have a really energetic home, you can foster. It just takes the attitude of radical hospitality. Now, there might be instances where you're like, okay, I I don't know. It Really, it is just a family that welcomes a child into a loving and safe home. That's what you get to offer as a foster family. You might not be in the position. There, there are some things that, like legal, you have to make sure you have, you have another room. Um, so you actually might be like, OK, but I really can't foster. But I really care about these things. And that's around is the support friends. I care about these things. I can't foster right now, but I want to do something. You can support a foster family. You can say, I, I, can, I can bring a meal twice a month. I can babysit. I can help with transportation to and from doctor's visits. I can send an encouraging text or a phone call. If that sounds like something you can do, you can be a support friend. You can live alongside these foster families. You can be in their celebrations of the highest highs. You'll be grieving with them, no doubt. You'll be living life alongside them, but you'll be helping bring radical hospitality. Another way that you can step into this ministry is through considering the role of the advocate. Kathy, thank you. You have been a faithful servant and a faithful advocate to this community. And we are so sad to see you go, but we are so excited for what God is doing in the life of you and your family. But church as Kathy leaves, there is a there's a need. We don't have an advocate here at Citizens now. We would love to have one or two, or maybe three people step up as an advocate and really advocate on behalf in partnership with Foster the City. We'd be championing the dream, keeping the vision alive, and making sure that if a foster family does emerge, that they're wrapped in support. If this is something that you're like, maybe this is something I want to hear more about, I'll be here afterwards. Come talk to me. Citizens Church, I want to make sure that there's an invitation for you. I want to say, are you ready to shamelessly welcome Jesus by welcoming the most vulnerable? If the Holy Spirit is moving in your heart, I want to invite you to an interest meeting. It, at the interest meeting, you learn about all these different ways and more of ways you can get involved with foster care. Behind me, there's going to be a QR code. And if you'd love to come to an interest meeting, you're feel free. I know this is take out your phone. Hit the QR code and sign up. I will not be offended if your phone's out right now. Um, and while you're doing that, I want to leave you with this reminder. It's from Romans 5 7, and it says, Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Hospitality is risky and disruptive, and it's radical. And it's because it changes everything and everyone it encounters, and it will change you. Let's pray. Lord everything is yours. Our clothes, our money, our resources. God, we give it all to you. God, I pray that anytime we're a part of this, God that when we act in hospitality that we realize it's an act of hospitality to you. Lord, we pray for these children in foster care, for these children in teens. Oh her being taken out of their families. God, we pray for healing and restoration of these families. God, we pray for a radical movement in their homes. And God, we pray for the church here in San Francisco and Citizens Church here to rally around these families in the process of restoration and healing. God, we don't want to know the cost of everything and the value of nothing. Move us to action. Break our heart for what breaks yours. God, we thank you. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' holy name.
0: Amen.